When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Guess who? It's Rana. And boy, did we have fun at the July Kiki for the AI Social Club. Now accepting members for September, pardon me. Yesterday was the cutoff for the August box. Have we got something fabulous planned for you? Are you missing out? Pardon me. All you have to do is look at our Instagram feed to know that you are. We are having so much fun. If you've been thinking about it, now's the time. AISocial.club, get your monthly cocktail box and an exclusive invite to our monthly Kiki. It's going to be fabulous. It's been fabulous. We're going from strength to strength, pardon me, and we can't wait to welcome you into the social club. Kiss, kiss. So wait a minute. I don't think anyone saw this coming. I have a co-host today. There was some question whether this co-host, I mean, she's a real dark horse. I don't know whether or not she is also running for president of the co-op board of the carriage house. I could see it. I could see him making a late entry. I think Kate Steinberg, I think Josh Campson, they both think they have it locked up. They don't. I am here today with none other than Pinky Curtis. That's what I like to call her. Scarlett Curtis is my co-host today. How are you, dear? I made it back in. This is my full Make-A-Wish treat because I have ascended from guest to co-host. And as you know, I'm your number one fan. And I do think I would make a great president of the co-op. Well, we'd have, you could be president of the European co-op. I think that you're, you know, there's so many EU Did? standards and rules and regulations you'll be familiar with that other people, you know, Garode Ferrelli might try to make a play. But Ireland is really part of the EU, not part of the UK. That's true. And yeah. did Kate Steinberg stay up till 4 a.m. watching the live show because of the time difference? Wow. I don't think she did. No, but she might have stayed up till 4 a.m. watching it over and over again. <laughs> Now, here's what's surprising about this. Scarlett, I have a feeling this is how Scarlett's life works a little bit. Scarlett didn't even have to ask to be the co-host. We asked her. But in Scarlett's mind, she would have to do the she would have to do the begging and the begging just to get into the carriage house. But I think this is what happens with Scarlett is that she sort of appears and then people keep keep inviting her over and over again to things. Is that correct? I wish it did happen more. I think, I really don't know if that does happen, I have to say. I think it does. I think people meet mm. you and they find you to be a little magical sprite. And then they think, I can't get that sprite out of my system quite. And I'm going to see if that sprite's available to come back here. 
this might be an overshare, but I have to, it definitely doesn't happen with men of my age who are interested in dating. Oh, you're probably they dating the wrong man, that's all. to leave me alone. But no, I don't think so. And I also have to say, I looked obviously on the Patreon when you asked for suggestions for co-hosts and I wasn't really mentioned, but I am here and I did. <laughs> you weren't really back. mentioned or you weren't mentioned? So I think there was maybe one. Maybe. Okay. Well, this is for her or him. There was or a them. lot of Jessica Sinclair. It might have been me that was the one. That That's because they've Scarlet seen Curtis. Jessica St. Clair do it. So they want to see her do it again. It's, it's like a magic Maybe trick. I, I want to say for may, an extra Patreon account. May so I, I post comment, in a different name? <laughs> may I comment on your appearance for a moment? You may. The I pink stars just for you. The pink has migrated from the hair to the clothes. <laughs> and the face. And, and the hair is back to, the, back to blonde. And I'm loving the, it. The hair is back to blonde, which I'm isn't loving the my summer freshness color. of this. No, of course not. I can see your roots from a mile I'm away. Actually, my very dark. Um, yeah. The pink washes out every time I wash it. It basically washes yeah. out when it rains. And I've been swimming in the sea a lot, so the pink is gone. But when the pink's gone from my hair, I do feel the need to wear pink clothes. I have now, such a. You, someone was on. Who was talking about their power color? Uh purple sana movsesian was trying yes to i love that episode and it made me think because i have such an addiction to pink in a way that is really like deep and pathological and it i sort of can't function unless i have something pink on me but then i thought am i wasting my power color because if you wear a color every day it's no longer your power color because you're also wearing it on days when you're like in bed crying interesting but maybe it's maybe it's just the gas in the tank Maybe you need yeah. even that little bit of pink on the days that you're crying just to stay steady. Just to function. I think I do, but I'm now thinking maybe I need an, an extra power color. Maybe you need an inverse. You need a sad color. Yeah. Maybe you need a, you need like a comfort color. Maybe this pink might be, is your power color and you need a comfort color for when you're not having a, a great day. A cozy color. A cozy, yeah, a cozy color. color. Exactly. I love the way you say cozy. Yeah. Um this might be too much rambling because I know you like to get to business, but <laughs> I feel in the same way that Rona has her leopard and her hair and her nails, you know, you're so good at like putting yourself together. Well, you have, I I mean, often feel, you have to, you have to be bulletproof when I mean, you have to but be that's, bulletproof. I really take that approach to dressing and have since I had a major breakdown in my teens and then decided the way I was going to come out of it alongside many therapies and antidepressants was by wearing a fancy dress costume every day. And I spent a long time wearing like cat ears. And then I started with the all pink and the dye in my hair, different colors. And I find it to be such a powerful thing in terms of like taking control of something. You're but now you seem to have evolved into a total uh, Coco Chanel by the sea look that you've got going on right now. This is like a oh, French Riviera Layered, I, I'm loving the layered necklaces with the cable knit vest. I mean, I'm Thank loving you. it. I did try. I mean, yeah, I'm trying to be a bit, I am actually trying to be a bit more flexible and I'm trying to a little sophistication. how to wear like normal clothes because I used to truly wear sort of bald gowns every day. Yeah, but you can still um, bring that whimsy. Yeah. This is called being chic. Okay. It's chic. Yeah. Yeah, you're so chic. good at towing that line between making an effort and not going over the top. 
Oh, it's true. That's I mean, what I admire about you. If you saw, I'll tell you the honest God's truth. Mm-hmm. If you saw the outfit I purchased yesterday, which I'm saving for a special occasion. We're talking about doing some live shows in the fall, and I think that this outfit will make its debut during the live show. I'll just give you two words, and then if you're lucky, I'll text you a picture of it, but I doubt it. Okay. Snow leopard. <gasps> it's like I knew that was the next evolution without knowing that was the next evolution. Winter Wonderland. So oh if I'm my, not I sipping hope. a if I'm not sipping a Vienna in winter in this outfit, I'm not you better call the Undertaker. Okay. <laughs> okay. Oh now, my gosh, I, I can't have wait. so many things I want to talk to you about. I have two things I want to ask you about. One is okay. I have a guess about your location. Okay. I think you're at the Soho Farmhouse right now. <gasps> Can I tell you the most embarrassing thing? Yeah, you are. I'm, no, <laughs> I'm not. I'm in Suffolk at my house, which me and my mum got so obsessed with the Soho Farmhouse and fell so in love with the Soho Farmhouse that we, oh my God, this sounds terrible. This is very run at, I hired the we, designer. No, but we basically built a mini Soho farmhouse in in the garden. And then it was meant to be for me and all my siblings. I have many siblings and many cousins, and we were meant to all stay in here. And I staged a coup and squatted in it for the whole of quarantine. And now it's just mine. So you have built yourself your own Soho farmhouse house. Yeah, I mean, my parents built a Soho farmhouse house and I decided I was never leaving home and that I was going to stay in here and now it's mine. That's actual squatting. Mm, mm. Yeah. You're absolutely bathed in light, in the the late summer, midsummer really, English light. And I want to know, is it 102 degrees? Yeah, what's going on with the heat wave where you are? Because I was reading today, which I could not believe, which was fascinating Mm -hmm. to me, that there are houses and bridges that are popping all over England because they were built of materials that are meant to retain, to to ward off the cold and not retain heat. Everything in England is built to hold heat and hold on to it for six months during the long, cold winters to retain heat. Sorry, I had that wrong. And all our houses are built to hold on to heat. And it is, it's so weird because I, I, we spent a lot of time in LA this year and it's the same temperature as it is there. We're like 100, 101, but it feels like being in the middle of the desert with a million bright red burning lobster people who are all complaining and crying and sweating. It is pandemonium. It's It's not what they're built for. It's not what any of us, our bodies aren't built for it. No. and Our bodies are built to retain heat. Think about the rosacea that's going to start showing up all over England. The dermatologists are going to be going through the roof. The shades of red that you're seeing, no one here knows how to apply sunscreen. No one knows how to wear a hat. No one knows that yep. the sun is bad for you. I mean, it's it's really quite intense and hilarious. But the only yeah, worst thing hot. is when they have a snowstorm. They don't know how to deal with snow for a minute. The whole town shuts down for two weeks with three inches of snow. We don't really know how to deal with any weather. Like people yeah. just well, rain, like complaining you're great about with the weather. Rain. Yeah, but then people complain that it's raining in the summer. Sure, and then but as soon as it's hot, everyone's systems, crying. Et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, we're good with rain. Okay, so here we are. You're in England. I'm here. 
You may or may not give me the name of the person that completely ripped off the Soho farmhouse and built <laughs> a new one for you. But I love the idea that I do have to say everyone's been there. So, of course, they all know what it looks like. So whoever you yeah. hired, you probably said, can you just build me a Soho farmhouse? And they said, no problem. Yeah. Uh, but we have to hand it to the Soho home people. It's an iconic look. Uh, and it's cozy, 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 I have to say. It is an iconic look. And yeah. um yeah, we've even got the uh, bathrobes. <laughs> I really Fabulous. make myself sound like Fabulous. the worst human in the world. But Eloise at the Plaza is the vibes I'm going for. Uh, well, I, I, I like did notice embrace... you had a birthday recently and you were staying at some sort, of, uh, some sort of a kit camp property and you were wearing a gorgeous pink dress. I rented a dress, which is something I've been oh, doing more rent and more. The and runway? It's, there's a one in the UK called Her, H-U-R-R. And um, I like a statement outfit, especially for the photos. And so renting has really helped. Um, Isn't that my... smart? So who made yeah. that dress? It's by a brand called Selkie, which does a lot of pink, puffy dreams. Um, but I am, I've rented three dresses now. I also, I've been on three hen nights this summer, huh. which is like a bachelorette party, which is everything I think I'm not made for as a human but I've been renting outfits for those. Yeah, but you have to wear the outfit. They've gotten, I think we've reached peak bachelorette party. It's very intense. That's the sort of thing that's not for me. No, I'll just it's put not it that for me. Way. But you can't say no. And I spent so much of my life without friends. Oh, you that absolutely I think I'm, can say no. But not but if you're a so very, like, very close friend. Yeah. I'm just so honored that I've been asked and I feel like I'll lose it. But I get why so many people write into this show with like girl group holiday yeah. because it's very well, stressful. Or Palm Springs rentals as the case may be. Yeah. But let, speaking of the show, maybe we should get into the show. What do you think? Yes, let's do it, please. Rana, listen to the sound. <gasps> Does that put a smile on my face? What is that? I got to tell you, Rana, this is the sound of another sale on Shopify. Uh The all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Oh, I know Shopify. We use it for Ask Rana Coffee. Of course we do. Among other things, yeah. We use it because it gives entrepreneurs the resources once reserved for big business so that upstart startups and established businesses alike can sell everywhere, synchronize online and in-person sales, and effortlessly stay informed. So, Rana, we don't have to be a Fortune 500 company to do this. I'll tell you what, that's entirely true because I'm on Shopify every minute. There you go. Trying to see where our sales are. I'm very involved and it makes it so easy for me. Scaling your business is a journey of endless possibilities because believe me, what did we start selling on this podcast, Ron? I think we, our first thing we ever sold was maybe like a t-shirt. A t-shirt. And what are we selling now? Are you kidding me? Pardon me, we're selling uh, a cocktail club. Are you serious? In addition to our own beverage, a Negrana, our own personalized alcoholic beverage. In addition to our fabulous coffee, of course, which never goes out of style. And Rana, I have a feeling we're not stopping there because success- I wrote, I came up with this. Success is a million milestones on a forever evolving path. It sounds like you came up with that. Thank you, I did. Like Ask Rana, Shopify powers millions of businesses from first sale to full scale. So any size, you can reach customers online and across social networks with an ever-growing suite of channel integrations and apps like Facebook, like Instagram, like TikTok, like Pinterest. 
and MOA. Gain Insights as you grow with detailed reporting of conversion rates, profit margins, and beyond. Rana loves looking at the numbers. Honestly, that sounds boring. I'll tell you something. If you're running a Shopify it's store, kind of a thrill. it is so exciting. I love looking at the chats. I love looking up the dates. I love looking and saying, well, this time last year, how did we do? Or this compared to this. I Absolutely. It's a Thrill. And as we grow, Rana, Shopify grows with us. It's more than a store. It's possibility powered by Shopify. So go to shopify.com slash askrana, all lowercase. Thank you. For a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Oh, forget trial. The second they try this, if they really have a business and something they're selling, you're in. There's no turning back. So grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash askrana right now. Shopify.com slash askrana. Attention Carriage House members, Rana here to tell you all about Anchor.fm. Anchor is the fabulous app that we use to create our podcast. And let me tell you something. You can use it to create a podcast of your own. It's totally free. They have these terrific creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. If you're that sort of person, I have a staff, excuse me. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes, which is pretty fabulous. The possibilities are totally endless. So download the free Anchor app now or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Kiss, kiss. I think we should get straight into the advice, but we have a couple of follow-ups here that are probably worth mentioning. And I'm going to read this first one. Scarlett really wants to read one review because she says she agrees with it. So I'm going to let her read one or two comments that we have from the, uh, what's it called? Apple podcast, which I want to remind people, I've been a little lax in telling people five stars, five stars only. It means everything to the show. It means everything to the goddamn algorithm. All it takes less than one second. I think to do it, it might take a half a second, possibly a millisecond. You go there, you hit the five stars. That's it. You're in, you're out. If you're a real hero, you write a review like these people did. And I'm going to let Scarlett do that. Now, Scarlett, I will say one thing. I'm upset that you're in the UK because it means you're not a member of the social club. Is that right? I have. I was actually about to text you about this saying, is there any way that I can get into this? But I think you need to go international. How long are you in the UK for? Are you there forever? Have you moved back? No, I'm not. No, I'm here for the summer and I think I'll be back um, in LA in September. But Wait a minute. Speaking of the summer, we haven't even talked about the absolute hit sensation show that you wrote on the summer I turned pretty, which is all over Netflix right now. People are loving it. Yes. Um, I just finished. I actually wrote for season two. So I am just a fan of season one. And okay. So your really stuff is coming out season next. One. My stuff is coming out next. Um, episode 204. I think you should all look forward to. Um, But yeah, it was my first writer's room and it was a true dream project. And I couldn't really understand when it ended that I didn't get to talk to them every day. Yeah, it's hard. You make a little feeling. It's really painful. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a very, very sweet show. I think it's like kind of the antidote to euphoria. Even though I love euphoria as well, it's like the opposite of euphoria. It's just about teens holding hands on the beach. Um, Uh, Casey Wilson has been posting about it. Casey Casp. I saw that. Who Uh, I love as well. Who you love from Bitch Sesh, of course, and who we love. And her little cousin got her into it. Now she's obsessed with it. She doesn't know what to do. 
It's a very good adult show. I don't watch that much young adult stuff mm-hmm. and I sped through it in like a day. It's it's a real crossover. Fabulous. As they say. Um, I'd like to say five stars, five stars only. My advice is you listen to the episode each time you say, was that five stars? Your answer is yes, it was five stars. And then you rate it every time. That's Do you what I rate do. the show over and over again? Over and over again, every time. Every time I listen and go, it might what be a, a one star episode. It might be a one star episode. And in that case, I'll be honest. And then I get to the end of every episode and I go, that was five stars. Oh, we don't ever do um, a one star episode. If you, let no, me be, but let I, me I allow you myself this. to evaluate every time. And well, every I time love you get that five stars. Because I think we do the same, which is we try to hold ourselves to a standard here. But my opinion is if you want to rate this show one star, don't bother. Just don't come back. Yeah. That's my opinion. No one's forcing you. Somebody named Safi wrote to us. Yes. She said, my saving grace. I started listening to this podcast during one of the most difficult periods of my life. Same. And it has been my saving grace. Going through the back catalogue and hearing Brian, Ronna and their amazing guests feels like hearing my best friend telling me everything will be okay and giving me a big hug. I feel the same way. And having grown up in on... in on the north shore with my family in marblehead whom i frequently visit it feels like home i hope one day i run into ronna and brian if he's allowed back at the jcc the j as we used to call it p.s ronna reading reading the spanish chocolate label was so calming please more spanish from ronna gracias i actually have a proposal for you which is you i think you could do a special asmr episode which is just you saying your words, tapping just your nails, talking about things. Because I've listened to this show many times to get myself out of panic attacks and you could do one geared towards people who are anxious because all you your send are sad me, and anxious. If you send me a list of the things you want me to do, the best tips. I'll do a special ASMR bonus episode. So if you that tell me I want you to talk tier. nails, a yeah. tier on Patreon, we do a Patreon ASMR <laughs> Ten Asamatia. <laughs> yeah. Where I just tip tap my nails and I read bugs. I list yeah. bugs. I did for a while on Patreon do a, a run a read series where I would read storybooks to people to put them to sleep. Yeah. I don't know if you ever heard those. If people are on Patreon, they go way back in the archive. They'll be able to I find do. Them. I've listened to the whole Patreon, but maybe I haven't listened to that. Uh, we um, did The Giving Tree, which is a horrible book. We did... Uh, the Very Hungry Caterpillar, oh. uh, and a few other books. And it's a, they're called Rana Reads. So if you look on your Patreon, once you put your, uh, whatever it's called, the, you know, the feed the in. into your device that you listen to your podcast on, your app, you should go all the way back to the beginning. And it's somewhere around the middle, probably, mm-hmm. you can find Rana Reads. We might have even done one for free on the free feed. But thank you for your review, Dia. That's fabulous. And a lot of people don't know that I speak Spanish, so that's probably why I read it so well. We got some fabulous follow-ups here. Okay. In support of Aubrey. Now, this was... Okay. Now, I think a lot of these questions today, I'm very interested in Scarlett's opinion because these are young people questions. And I have my opinion where I'm looking, again, hate to say it, one of my favorite scenes in Love Actually when Emma Thompson is listening to Joni Mitchell, I've been in love from both sides now. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you and I could easily be two parts of the same coin. You're on the side where you're the optimist and I'm on the side where I can see it all, but that I still believe in love. Okay. Okay. So I'm giving the opinion from I've been through, I've seen it. I've done it. 
you're giving me yes. the opinion from I'm doing it. Or it's a fresh I've seen it and done it. It's yes. not 20 years ago, it's two years ago, yes. et cetera. Uh, so this Aubrey wrote in and she was, you know, having a real hang dog face about the fact that all of her friends were coupling up and she had to go to weddings and she was upset about it. And we tried to yeah. be very uh, charitable about it. But here we have a follow-up from someone named Jen, who happens to be Australian, so take it with a grain of salt. Hi, Ron and Brian. I'm writing in response to last week's episode. And Aubrey, who is single and having difficulty with all the patented people in their friendship circle and in the world around them. Your advice was excellent as always. And Rhonda's insights about the perception of all the quote, happy people around us prompted me to share my own experience in a similar situation. In the months following the end of a 17 year relationship, I found myself resenting all the quote, happy people in my world. When my two young kids were, there, were with their dad, I would often just sit for hours on the beach because I didn't know anything else to do and the waves were comforting. One, talk about ASMR. One weekend, I saw a particularly particularly lovely couple heading up the beach, quote, happily. I was picturing their perfect life with their perfect relationship and thinking very perfectly uncharitable thoughts. I wanted to throw sand at them or trip them over so they fell right on their happy faces. Half an hour or so later, to my great surprise, and I'm a little ashamed to say delight, I saw one half of the perfect couple stomp walking back down the beach with the other half walking behind, scowling, double arms crossed and not happy. Everyone is dealing with their own struggles in their own ways. The grass is not always what it appears on the happy surface. Good luck, Aubrey. Resist the urge to trip strangers on the beach. Jen, she slash her from Camaragal land. I couldn't possibly know how to say that. Sydney, Australia. She could just say Sydney. She could just say Sydney. I, this question really hit me because I am this person. I'm have been single basically my whole life. And I think something happened in the pandemic where a lot of people coupled up and a lot of people sped up their relationships because yeah. they were either living together or in these very intimate situations. And I also have a theory that the only people that were quote unquote thriving during the lockdown part of the pandemic yeah. were couples because they got to move forward in couple things. They got to move in ah, together. Or get everyone pregnant else was or get frozen. Engaged. Yeah. Everyone else was frozen. So if you're single and the things you enjoy are going out and having fun and working and work achievements, none of that was happening. So yeah. I have never wanted to be in a relationship. And during the pandemic found myself really like hating myself for not having a partner and at one point thinking I'm only going to be able to hang out with my friends if I find some poor man to bring along because they're all doing these coupley things and I'm always alone and I think the thing that helped me most was thinking and it kind of ties to this it looking at you know a lot of my friends who are in couples and going would you actually want to be in that couple like if someone said to you right now I wouldn't want to be like, no, it's not um, what you, I think, you want the intimacy and the closeness, but you don't want what they want. You don't want no. to eat a frozen pizza every night. And they do. No. And some of these people are so boring and we think and of some them of as these a happy people couple. only couple up because they do not have the fortitude to yeah, wait to be, or be by themselves. Yes. And that is and you look the at, story of 
young love anyway. When you look around, all these people that have boyfriends and they're moving in with their boyfriends and they're 24, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of the time, that is just, those are just people that don't want to be alone or don't want to pay the yes. rent by themselves. I mean, totally. stop idealizing and everything. I think I think of it and I'll think, I want to be in a happy couple. And then I think, do I want to spend every night of the week with a boy that likes football more than me and smells bad? And no, I don't. Well, there's other kinds of boys too, but no. But you know, you you just start seeing it all as a well, monolith. I have always of happy said couples. yes, and I've always said allowing a man to sleep in your bed is like allowing a wild animal to sleep in your bed. It is no different than allowing a dog yeah. to sleep in your bed, which is you find hair all over the place and you know skin flakes and who knows what else. And yeah. my bed is pristine, so I have to be very careful about who I'm going to allow to sleep in my bed. So it's not something to be taken lightly, but some people aren't, you know, they're not like a Charlotte, Charlotte, Scarlett, Charlotte's my aunt. Speaking of which, we have another follow-up, which I think sort of speaks to what you were saying. Mm -hmm. Hi, Ron and Brian. Sorry for no super cute intro, but want to get right to the point. And then we're going to get right to the point, Scarlett, because yeah. we've got all these questions to do. Thank you, as everyone shares, for your kind and hilarious advice, which honestly really connected me to two of my high school friends during the pandemic. We always check in oh, about nice. the episodes, and our group chat is inspired. A chat name is inspired by you. Well, why don't you tell us what it is? I know. I just wanted to drop an extra tip to Aubrey in addition to your constructive advice. As you mentioned, Ron, and we've all been there, but specifically with weddings, I've really understood that the overwhelming emotions that can accompany what is supposed to be a great celebration of your friend's love. My dad unexpectedly and suddenly passed away when I was 22. So sorry, dear. In the first few weddings I went to afterwards, I found myself experiencing a deep sense of loss at the kind of celebration and joyful coming together of families with no burdens that I was watching, all while wanting to be happy for my friends. It honestly led to behavior I'm not proud of, which made me start to get very anxious to go to weddings, and I totally got wrapped up in my own head until I had a breakthrough in therapy a couple of years ago. I want to share that helps... Uh, I want to share that helps me in the moment, which is to simply remind myself these feelings will pass. If you find yourself overwhelmed, take the time to breathe, as Brian mentioned, and fully feel your feelings, knowing that at some point you won't feel lonely and you'll also feel lonely again and sad and happy and in love and heartbroken. It will happen many, many times. So feel it. Don't overthink it. Then have a glass of water, dance, and enjoy your friends. They obviously love you and seem worth celebrating and celebrating back. Thank you too again. Love your advice and your coffee. Kiss, kiss. I think this writer is hinting at something which is also one of my advices for weddings, which is if you are kind of dreading it and it's not, you know, it's not going to be the best night of your life, don't drink because yeah. it's, there is, if you're thinking all these smug couples are smug, you can be very smug and be the person who isn't vomiting on the dance floor and very hungover the next day. And it just helps it, for me, it helps it become less of a thing, the wedding. I just think of it as like a sweet night and a nice meal. It's a party. Go to a party. Celebrate yeah. your friends. Yeah. Have a little something to, exactly, have a little something to eat. Uh, dance or don't dance. And also yeah. go home when you feel like going home. Exactly. Because if you're being a pill, no one wants you around anyway. And I would not underestimate the power of the French exit. I'll say that. Yeah. 
which is and it's the best night of their lives it doesn't need to do, be the best night yes, of your lives and leave Just and don't don't leave. take it by it's fine Never. it's not i mean look that's what i i do i mean people are looking for me when i'm at a wedding you know they want to they know yeah. they know where i am at all times so i sort of have to say goodbye you know it's the elephant in the room sort of thing but for most people you can sort of slip out and let you don't have to make an announcement that you're leaving because it makes it seem like the night is ending and nobody really wants to feel that way. So mm-hmm. slip out and send a nice text or a nice email the next day or even later that night if you want to. Had the most wonderful time. You were on the dance floor. I didn't want to bother you. You looked beautiful. Congratulations. See you at the brunch. I do sometimes feel like I'm doing penance for my dad's sins because which, I think which he what? set... Well, I think he, my dad wrote a lot of romantic um, comedy films. And I think he set a lot of people's expectations wildly, unfairly out of proportion. Yes. Okay. I will say, (laughs) you know, my dad's. The Disneyfication of of English romance. Yeah. The Disneyfication Mm -hmm. of romance and love and an American Mm -hmm. falling in love with an English person. And, um, how funny. You know, it's just not like that. Like, those are his his dreams and his little things in his head and him and my mom aren't even married they're very happy together and they're very you know but they have ups and downs and and it's just not what life is like but that's what a film is it's an escape exactly but I think we just have that idea in our heads but it's well look sure his film's okay but I mean every book every movie every song every everything it's the idealization of love And it's wonderful that people can aspire to these things and that they can have moments in their life where things feel this way. But these are not real stories for people. No, There isn't a couple that you're looking at who you think is madly in love that didn't have a hiccup or a text or somebody cheated or they were dating two people at the same time and then they they found their way. You know, it's always about how the story ends. It's never really about how it begins. But also there are other forms of love and something I actually love about this show. I know it's just me gushing, but the people that write in, 90% of your questions aren't about romantic love. They're about friendship or family or, you know, a a best friend that you're heartbroken over losing. Like those are all love This is a wonderful segue, dear, to our first question, which is about someone who loves her cats. Oh, I love this. I'm going to read the first question. And then you're going to read the second question. How does that sound? Great. Uh, As you know, Scarlett, the show is for people that are desperate. They have nowhere to turn. They have exhausted all professional possibilities. And they've decided, why not? This is a Hail Mary they lob in at the end of the game and they hope, you know, let's see. Maybe these people have something useful to say. We always give perfect advice. Whether or not they take it is up to them. But what they can't do, which I'm sure you've heard me talk about recently, is they can't not take it and then ask for more advice. Okay? That was truly That is. That's just bad manners. That's all that is. It really is. Dear Ron O'Brien, an illustrious guest, if applicable. Well, today it's just an illustrious guest. Thank you very much. It's just me. I'll do my best to be said the B word. I am the second oldest in a line of four sisters. Okay, we've got a math problem. Get ready. Maths, as you say. Okay. I am the only sister who still resides in our home state in the upper Midwest. Okay, Michigan. My three, that's my guess. My three sisters have all ended up along the West Coast, two in California, one in Oregon. Okay. Okay. Early in the pandemic, May of 2020, right after 
the safer at home orders. My fiance and I had a daughter. Congratulations, Mazel Tov. We had a micro wedding. I haven't heard that expression before. Neither. Kind of fun. Cute. Makes me think of a doll's yeah. house. <laughs> Immediate Tiny family. Wedding. Yeah, a little Lego wedding. They had, yeah. a, they had a Lego wedding. We had a micro wedding, wedding. Immediate family only. In my in-laws' backyard a few months later. All of my sisters were able to drive in at the time for our wedding and to meet their first niece. It was lovely. We had a marvelous time. A week or so after our wedding, my oldest sister, Emily, number one, so that's the oldest, adopted a cat she named Hugh. Hugh and my daughter, Evelyn, were born three days apart. Okay. Emily (laughs) would constantly compare Evelyn and Hugh's development. Ah, they're both teething, for example. Huh. Cats Mm. born with teeth, just for the record. They, a yeah, cat cats is, don't teeth. Cats nip. They don't teeth. I've okay? raised a lot of kittens. They yeah. don't teeth. They nip. Yeah. It annoyed me at the time, but not enough to say something. Emily lives alone, and I was worried that the isolation of the early pandemic was getting to her, which was also why she said she adopted a cat. Okay. Now, two years later, we're expecting our second child this fall. Muscle tough again. Guess who else is about to adopt a second cat? Emily has a cat named Bob sleep over for a night or two, but won't officially adopt him until she gets back from visiting our sister, Greta, number four, in Oregon next week. Okay, so Emily's the oldest. Greta's the youngest. Greta's the baby. And our letter writer, I'm going to guess, is number two. We'll see. No, she is. She says she's the second oldest. Oh, she did. Okay. A few days ago, Greta called me to complain about Emily. She said Emily had been comparing both of her cats to both of my children in odd ways, and she found it a bit insulting. Apparently, she com- compared Bob's, quote, fear coat, where his coat changes colors as he ages, to Evelyn being born with dark hair that now has lightened up to blonde. Mm-hmm. Greta didn't say anything at the time to Emily, but was clearly annoyed. Should I say something to Emily about this? Should I let Greta handle it? Greta has a theory that Emily is having a bit of a midlife crisis as the rest of us move beyond what she has done with her life. My husband and I are expecting our family and got married. Greta and her husband got married in 2021, etc. Emily isn't married, you don't say, and hasn't been in a serious relationship in several years, you don't say. I just don't know what to do. Am I crazy for being a bit insulted that Emily keeps comparing her household pets to my human children? Question mark, question mark. Thank you for all your advice and wisdom. I've been an avid listener since the beginning of the pandemic and recommend your podcast to anyone who will listen to me. All names have been changed. Please don't share mine. Kiss, kiss. P.S. Love a P.S. Sister number three, whose name we have not been given is a bit of a lovable dingbat and likes to stay above the muck when the rest of us gossip about each other. We've all accepted this. She's a delight in all caps to have a phone chat with every eight to 12 weeks and to see over the holidays when everyone comes back to the frozen north. Other than that, she couldn't care less what anyone has going on in their day-to-day lives and focuses on herself. P.P.S. I firmly believe that Emily's decision not to marry or have kids is a completely, in all caps, legitimate life decision. I just want her to be happy. Marriage and parenthood isn't for everyone. Also, my husband and I have two dogs whom we love dearly and consider part of our family. I'm well aware of how much love and companionship pets give and, give and again, just want Emily to be happy. If this is how she chooses to form a family, God bless. All right, Scarlett, dear. 
I know you've got something to say about this. I'm obsessed with Emily. Um, that PPS, you yes. always say that people tell on themselves. Mm, they do. That PPS isn't how you feel. You've just written a whole letter saying you don't like how she's behaving and you do resent it. And I I really, I, I've taken against this letter writer, I have to say. Let's hear it. Let it happen. I mean, I think I They think write sisters, in, we, they ask the question, Scarlett, we answer them. And if they don't like the answer, they've come to the wrong place. We sisters, answer questions here. Sisters truly sounds like hell. I'm the oldest of four, but I have three younger brothers. And I always say that if I had had a sister, I'd have gone back into my mom's womb to kill her in the womb because I would have been so terrible with a sister. Like, I think there is just an inbuilt competitiveness and nagginess when it comes to a lot of sisters' relationships. I know there's also many joys. But I think what you have here is a very classic oldest child, second child relationship where we have these inbuilt things about order and family and how that means that you should do something first and have this experience first. And it is Mm. very easy to compare yourself, especially to the sibling closest in age to you, if you're the oldest, you know, Uh I am, I'm the oldest. I'm, this is how I think Emily will be feeling. But as an oldest child, I always feel that I should be doing things first. And there's now a lot of things that my second like my oldest brother has done before me. And it's hard. There's a moment where you're like, this should have been me. You know, I should be the one doing this first and now you're ahead of me and yeah, this weird thing. And I think Emily probably is struggling a bit. It's always tricky when, you know, even if she is completely happy alone and has made that decision, it's always tricky when then you're comparing yourself to other people. And I think she's developed kind of madly and amazingly for her, a coping mechanism to deal with this, which is that she's got these wonderful cats. She's fallen in love with these cats. And I just don't understand how it affects you if she compares your kids to her cats. It should be funny. It should be something you bitch about with your husband afterwards. I don't really see how it's hurting you. And I think it's probably hurting Emily more. And I think she's probably hurting more. And what she needs in response to this is love and understanding and not feeling like you've been slighted because she compared her cat to your child. I think that's all dead on. And I would add two little tidbits to this. My blanket answer is, what do you care? Yeah. Okay. That's my blanket answer. Now you can, I already know in our letter writer, because I already know who this person is, that she has had an absolute reflex to my response, which is that's not fair. I'm allowed to have my own feelings too. And I'm allowed to have, this This all goes back to exactly what Scarlett was talking about. To some extent, birth order, but absolutely to family, to growing up in the yeah. same household with someone and how you relate to that person. And so- You're also having, I think, a little moment of, it's not fair. Why can't she just be happy for me? Why does she have to take something away from it? It's not Mm. fair that I don't get to just have this happiness without her diminishing it in some way by talking about her cats. 
That is the part of you that I would like to tell to grow up. Because you wrote us a letter, dear Scarlett and Rana, life is great. I had a baby. I got mad. My sister, everyone in my family drove through the night for hours and hours to come celebrate my wedding and meet mm-hmm. my niece, meet their niece. She's wonderful. I'm so happy in my marriage with my husband, who I communicate with, who I talk about these things with, et cetera, et cetera, that we're having another child. And isn't that wonderful? And my big problem at the moment is that my sister talks about her pets like they're real people. That's the problem I'm having in my life. Think about that. The world's been through a pandemic for the last two years. You have all these wonderful things that have been happening to you. And your big problem that you had to write into a podcast about is that your sister treats her animals like children. The real problem is there's also another little hidden message in here. Sister number three, who is supposedly a fun, loving narcissist who only cares about herself and her own life and is a little bit of a dingbat. Guess what she is? She's not just a dingbat. She's a boundary setter. Yeah. Your gossips. Number two and number four, Greta, you and Greta like to pick a little talk, little pick a little talk, little cheap, 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 cheap. And that's fine. And that's fun. But that can edge into toxic on occasion. And what's happening here is that you two want to talk about Emily. And what she really is saying by not wanting to talk about Emily or anyone else is, A, I'm living my own life. And B, let Emily do whatever Emily wants to do. Emily, the bad news about Emily is that unfortunately people don't get less crazy as they get older. And loneliness is not helpful to that factor. So you always wonder, why is my aunt such a kook? How did they get, how did she get this way? Mm-hmm. And the answer is that she didn't start out that way. But it just sort of happens as time goes on. Scarlett, I can tell, is already daydreaming that she's the crazy aunt, even though she's I was literally 20 just and a half my years old. No, my brothers do think of me as completely mad. Um, and they yeah, think it's your hilarious. brothers are children. But I think, I actually think that's a... a Part You're of not this is like, 48 years old. It, okay? No, 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 I'm not. But, but You're not find 58 years old. I think it's completely fine to talk with number four and have all your gossips, but don't let it infiltrate don't let it become, your relationship And don't let it become Emily. real. No, What's the big deal? Think, She's talking about a cat. Who? So what is it? Let's, do, let's play out the scenario the other way. What would you like to say to her? You know, I find it insulting that you diminish this incredible life I have with uh, two beautiful Your children sadness. and an incredible husband yeah. by trying to, by comparing my human children to animals. What do you care? Of course it's cuckoo for someone to think a dog and a cat are the same as a baby, but for some people, the relationships are just as meaningful. Yeah. And I think the co- the key of this is she is comparing joy to joy. And I think there is nothing wrong with comparing joy to joy. There is a danger when you compare sadness to sadness. You know, I had 17 teeth removed earlier this year, which was horrible. And when someone talked about having you had what? a filling, I had 17, 17 teeth removed. Oh, yes, I talked about that. Oh, of course, but I, ha- I didn't hear what you said. But I can't uh, but believe I didn't someone- even ask to see your gorgeous new teeth. No, I haven't got them yet. I've just got holes. It's oh, okay. horrible. But when someone compared <laughs> having a filling to me having 17 yes, teeth through. I did feel thing. resentful. But she's comparing joy to joy. She is looking at you finding joy in your children and saying, 
I actually have joy in my life too. And it comes from these cats. And oh, I think that's not a the very same. generous read of the situation. I, I mean, I think that's very nice, but I think that's very generous. I think that she is saying, I have a life too, you know. No, no, I'm saying Emily's saying that. Yes, I think Emily so is too. comparing Joy to Joy. No, uh, I think Emily is saying, I think oh, she loves I'm, her cat. <laughs> yes, of course. But I think she's also saying, oh, I have a very full life too, you know. I mean, I'm, it's very full. This cat's doing this and he's teething too. It's absolutely cuckoo. But let it it's be cuckoo, cuckoo. But she's happy. She seems happy. Or she's miserable. But it doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, it matters yeah. in the sense that the only thing that can help her is to be drawn in a little bit more by you if you care to. But yes, she's exactly. allowed to live her own life and talk about her cats and do whatever she wants to do. You're not the only person she's talking about her cats to. She walks into Starbucks every day and tells everyone you're not going to believe what Hugh did today. And then eventually people realize Hugh's a cat. But that's her journey at the moment. It's iconic that she's given them human names. Of course. Because it helps with the comparisons. But it is... It just is what it is. But you're going to tell her off why. The, why does it bother you? And the answer is because you don't think she is appropriately happy for you. That's mm. the real issue. Yes. You don't think she has acknowledged this profound thing that has happened to you and is about to happen to you again. And the truth is that parenthood and pethood are not the same thing, even though every, you can absolutely no. love something and shower it and love, et cetera, et cetera. But the profundity of having a human child come into your life in whatever way that they do come into your life is not the same thing as adopting a dog, as wonderful it is as to adopt a cat or a dog or whatever. It not is. at all. It's just a different experience. We don't have to conflate these things. But, but 99% of the is. world agrees with that. She's sad. I just She's think, lonely. Let her be lonely. Yeah. Be nice to her. Or talk I think you're crap pun- about her behind her back. But what are you going to do? Confront a lonely person and make them feel worse? And say, by the way, we can hear you talking about you to yourself? I think you're punching down. Correct. how I feel. Correct. And there's no point. I agree. We're moving on. All right, dear, you're reading the next one. Okay. But I don't like the gloating. That's what no, I don't neither. like. That's I don't ever think it's nice to say, you know, we're having a wonderful time and a beautiful life. And it's not nice that you didn't tell us it was beautiful and wonderful. Yeah. And maybe you, you don't should need try to sharing live with that out loud. Maybe if you want her to open up, you could share some more of your sadnesses with her. Like I'm sure all of your life isn't perfect. And maybe she sees you as this perfect figure that she's in constant competition with. And maybe if you showed her some more of your cracks. But I think you hit the nail on the head with Emily's having a hard time being the oldest and being passed by. Yeah. Yeah. But then show her more of your vulnerabilities and maybe she won't feel this need to like. Leave the relationship. We were talking, Scarlett and I were talking about this before we started, or leave the relationship where it is and acknowledge that it has moved to a place further away. And that this is often what happens when people have families too. You only have so much energy. And now she's yeah. a little bit, you're just a little bit less close than you were. And that's fine. Next. Dear Ronna, Brian, and guest whom I either already love or will now. Oh, that's I nice. You, you won't be surprised to read that I adore you both, but it's always worth saying. It's worth saying. It is always when worth saying. When my partner saying. and I bought our house, we were the first new people in the neighborhood of older, mostly original owners. 
It's been wonderfully quiet since we moved in. Those originals are now moving on and we're getting more neighbours our age with 37 and 39. I'm both excited and concerned. I love the opportunities for new friends, but I also love a lot of alone time. I love to sit on my deck in the sun with a book or your podcast, knowing no one is going to cross into my yard and say hi. I love to fuss in my garden. What does futz mean? Uh, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Pot, you okay. would call it potting around. Potter, yeah. Yeah, potter. I love to potter slash futz in my garden without having to stop <laughs> for a chit-chat if a neighbor also happens to be outdoors. It's Yiddish, Scarlett. You really need to get in touch with you. I thought you and your mother were really taking do. a Yiddish course. What happened? I know. We haven't done it yet. Yeah. She did an art class instead. Um, <laughs> I, can't <laughs> wait recently. To, I can't wait to meet your mother. I think she's my kind of girl. I know. She really is. Most recently, a new couple moved in next door. I sent them a welcome note introducing ourselves and provided our phone numbers in case they ever needed anything. It turns out the wife, Lynn, and I have a lot in common. A lot. And she seems like a normal person, probably more so than I. And I am genuinely excited to possibly have a new friend because for one, it is hard to make friends. And for two, my closest friends are mostly out of state. However, I want to be sure to maintain a boundary. I'm historically and notoriously bad at boundaries. I would Mm. feel smothered by the expectation of hanging out often just because we're next door. Many of the usual polite excuses out of an invitation won't work when the inviter is next door and can see what I'm doing or if I'm home. Also, a detail you might find funny, she's more extroverted, so it feels like she is moving too fast for me. After we chit-chatted a Mm. few times and discovered some of our similarities, one afternoon, she sent me a new haircut selfie. Oh. I think Brian would agree that the new haircut selfie is a stage of friendship that typically comes way later. It isn't that big a deal, and I'm sure she is. Too, she too is trying to make friends, but a few things like the selfie reinforced my fear that things would escalate beyond my comfort levels. It isn't usually for me... It isn't unusual for me to be friendly to people and find myself surprised when I'm like invited to be in their wedding. Obviously, I didn't communicate my perception (laughs) of the level of friendship I felt in that case. Rona, you have to fend off the muffin man on the vineyard when he stops by. And I'm confident you have many others who want more Rona than you want to give them. Do you have any advice for how to pace this new friendship? I'm more interested in a friendship with Lynn than you are in anything with the muffin man. But I also need to strike the right balance so I don't end up interacting every single day. I really do like her and maybe we'll get to that frequent hangout stage of friendship, but I want to be careful and make a conscious choice to get closer as we continue to get to know each other. And I'm not the frequent hangs type. Yeah, you said, regardless of how much I love a person. I guess I could just tell Lynn that I'm someone who needs a lot of alone time. I'm old enough that I should be able to state my preferences directly. To set expectations well, on a new person, right? I hope Lynn's right? listening because she doesn't want to spend a minute with you after this letter. Oh my God, I have so many thoughts. Or does that seem cold or weird? Thank you for all your excellent advice and entertainment over the years. You make me smile and that's worth a lot. Five stars only, obviously. Kiss, kiss, Mel. Go ahead, Scarlett. I, I think you can relate to this is what I think. I'm such a Mel. I yeah. have... You're an I indoor cat. Have, I'm an indoor cat. Yeah. I need to be alone yeah. so much. Just the, And I really get what she's saying at the top of the letter. Sometimes just knowing someone is in the vicinity is enough stressful to completely stress me out. And, yeah. but what, and I'm so Mel, I'm really with you. I need a lot of alone time and I find boundaries very hard. 
but I think you are going through the same thing that I realized I was going through, which is the boundaries I needed to set really weren't with the other people. They were with myself. You could tell Lynn, you could tell Lynn that you're someone that needs a lot of alone time. That's probably something good to do anyway. It's a part of you. You're getting to know her. You can tell her that. But I think you will feel the pressure in yourself to go over there, to chat, to text her. And that's the thing that you really need to fight. Lynn is just living her life. Lynn is once a friend, texting you her new haircut. I don't think of that as a... It's not the problem. You are the problem. And I had a period where I was getting in these very codependent relationships with people friendship relationships, really not having any boundaries. And I had to realize that they weren't the ones pushing it. I was the one giving. I was giving and giving and overstepping. And I was so excited to have friends. And then I resented that we spent so much time together. And I think this is on you, not on her, is my initial thought. It is funny. There are people who, whenever I invite someone to something, Look, it's again a little different. If I extend an invitation, it's obviously a very exclusive invitation. Mm -hmm. But whenever I invite somebody to something, I just want them to come if they want to come. I don't want Mm. anyone to come who doesn't want to be there. And I don't ever think they don't want to be there because they don't want to hang out with me. I just think maybe it works for their schedule. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it's Saturday night. Maybe they want to be in. Maybe they want to be out. If they don't, want to come be a part of the thing that I'm doing. I don't ever think Mm -hmm. that that is personal and I won't invite them again. The problem is when you invite people and they don't want to know if they want to go and then they get anxious and then they go, they spend a whole week stressed out about, are they going to go? Are they not going to go? And what are they going to wear? And why is everybody making, why are you having this party now that you're making me come? You know, they spend a whole week building it into something. Say yes, say no. Yeah. I barely, I do think occasionally it's rude when people cancel at the last moment, but for the most part, I don't ever want someone to come that doesn't want to come. So even on the day, unless it's a very small gathering that I'm having or it's a very specific, you know, throwing about wedding, you know, a numbers count or something like that. I don't ever really want anyone there that doesn't want to come. But you have just written us an entire letter about your anxiety. This woman, as far as we know, you didn't give us a specific scenario where she's, she's already invited me twice to have tea and three times to have lunch and four times. Maybe she's just the sort of person that throws out an invitation and you yes or no it. And then you're taking yourself into the place where you think, now if I keep saying no, she won't invite me anymore. So I have to go at one and every three times, but I don't want to go. I want to stay on my deck. You could say to her, Lunch on Saturday sounds so fun, uh, but I'll be honest with you, Saturdays I love to just stay home and read, and that time's important to me, so maybe we could do it another day. And you suggest a time, instead of always reacting off of, oh, everybody's trying to invade my bubble. Well, why don't you decide when you're going to step out of your bubble, instead of seeing it as an invasion, which is how you see it. But it is very hard. Like, I really feel for you on this because of if course. someone, I, You're an I live in a tiny, I live in a tiny village and I basically live in a commune, which is the opposite thing of what you'd want if you're an introvert. But, but you have I your own little if, cottage. 
I have my own little cottage and I find if one of my friends is even in the vicinity of this area, the whole time they are there, my privacy has been ruined. I'm no longer having alone time. Even if I end up having one meal with them in a whole weekend, I am constantly thinking, do they want to be seeing me? Should I be seeing them? Are they going to walk in here? Are they going to... And you have to really... Everything you have to work on is in you. It's not in this friendship. And this friendship could be a really brilliant test for like testing out some of these new boundary setting things where when you are not... Lynn likes you. It's great. You've got a friend next door. But when she hasn't texted you saying, let's have lunch, she's not worrying about you. She's not thinking yeah. about you. She just she's thinks, got boundaries. oh, it'll be fun. maybe you want to come to lunch. It would be fun. And then yeah. if you say no, she thinks, oh, she must have something to do. Totally. She assumes you, can... you have a whole life outside of whatever her invitation is. But, but, but also don't only be the person. Mindset. Yes, but also don't only be the person who has to react. You mm. do, you also find you obviously crave some society. You left her a note. That's what kicked all this off, by the way. You could have chosen to be the neighbor that didn't leave the note, but you did leave the note. Yeah. And why not decide when that time's going to be? Why not say, I'd love to have you and your husband over for dinner two weeks from Saturday. Yeah. You've said the thing. You know when it is. You don't have, that's two weeks. You don't have to worry about whether she's going to text you to do something else. But you mm. also, as you're getting to know her, could say, it's been so fun getting to know you. You seem so great. Whatever these things are you relate on, I'd love to do this, this, and this. But I'll tell you, I'm a little bit of an introvert and I spend a lot of time alone. So don't take it personally. If I only accept, maybe this sounds conceited or silly or whatever, but don't take it personally if I only accept, you know, every few invitations. I'm just, I'm just an indoor cat mm. who can't relate to that. The problem is when you have all this stress around it and then you start backpedaling and lying and this and that because you're anxious and it, what's all that energy for? Nothing. But But Scott's exactly right. You have to confront what you want and your own boundaries, not. The boundary has been ruined because even if you're only seeing her once a week, you're thinking about her seven days a week and worrying about whether she was a vampire at your door. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think it's really hard and it's been really hard for me. And another thing that I would say, you know, you talk, I think it's great to say to her early on in your friendship, I'm an introvert. You know, these are things I like. These are things I don't like. But I also, something I've done a lot is almost presented myself as weirder than I am because I'm so scared of someone yes, you don't have to pushing my boundaries. Either. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes I've had friendships in the past where I've gone, I'm really odd and I, I'm a real introvert and I get really anxious sometimes and blah, blah, blah. And then like um, a few months into their friendship, the person will be like, you know, you're not as like weird as you think you are. Like a lot of people are introvert. You, I think you're thinking that you're odder than you are and you need to really set her expectations really early in this friendship. Well, that's an excellent point because I think introverted people think that the rest of the world's extroverted. They think that everyone is out there at a dance club that they don't want to go to or a hen night or whatever it is that they don't want to go to. And some of those people want to be there. Some of them don't. Some of them go with the flow. And, but for the most part, people are just doing 
those kinds of activities once in a while. And that's good enough for them as opposed to every minute. Yeah. The world isn't a big cruise ship party that's outside your door that you have to choose to go, you know, that you have to choose to join the party or not join the party. Everyone is on their own wavelength. Can I do a bit of clairvoyance, which might be wrong? Of course. Or is that only you're you're allowed? If you've got it, you can use it. I think this letter writer might have someone very social in her life who she is constantly comparing herself to. Um, and part, and that's part of why she thinks of herself as so antisocial. My parents are incredibly social and it has really made me think that I'm a freak because I'm not as social as them. Right. And as I've made more and more friends, I've realized my parents are in like the 0.1 percentile of social people. And most other people are actually more like me. And they'll go to everything. Maybe They'll, they'll, and they'll be fine. You know, they'll go out till 3 a.m., wake up at seven in the morning, do that seven nights a week. They're very, very social people. And um, I'm just not. And you are probably, I think you've said, do I need to set expectations for the new person? I bet you her expectations of you are exactly what you're able to fulfill. Uh, She's also your new neighbor. I bet her expectations are pretty low. Yeah. She's probably just trying to create a little friendship. I mean, okay. The, haircut selfie. So it doesn't mean she's going to come beat down your door. You can also say mm-hmm. to her, by the way, I hate it. I'll just tell you right now. I hate a, I hate a drive by. I hate a, I hate a drop in. Yes. I hate it. Don't ever come by without texting. Yeah. I hate it. I mean, there are people just do, like that. Yeah. There are some people that say stop by anytime. Those people are few and far between. Yeah. All right. This is our last question here. Okay. And you're going to have to harness all the power of your romantic uh, comedy energies to answer this question. Dear Ron O'Brien and Sage Guest, thought I'd try it out to see if it still raises hairs when directed towards someone else. Mm. Well, we've already got a a mischief maker here. Mm. How do you move on from someone you were still deeply in love with? Okay. For the past seven years, I've been involved on and off with a man we'll call Jay. Now I wrote, I skipped to the bottom to find out that this person let her write a note, cis het woman in my late thirties. Yes, I'm in therapy. And yes, I have other very strong friendships that I know would support me through this. Okay. Okay. So just so we know what we're dealing with here. Uh, for the past seven years, I've been involved on and off with a man we'll call Jay. Jay is partnered and enthusiastically polyamorous. While I have never identified as polyamorous, nor truly ever wanted that for myself, when I met Jay, I was at a point in my life where I was looking for a change. Jay excited me, and I decided to dip my toes in the water and try it out. I thought him being partnered would force me to keep things casual, which at the time was what I felt I needed. It backfired. And instead, our feelings immediately went deep. Put a shtetl pin in that. Mm. Turns out they were too deep. The boundaries of his partnership at the time didn't allow space for loving another partner, and he and I parted ways in a truly painful breakup. Years passed. I married another man, moved back to my hometown, and was moving on with my life. Until one day, Jay texted me to tell me he was moving to my hometown, a small, obscure northeast city. Huh. Williamstown, Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. Or Northampton, maybe. 
he let me know he had matched at a local university. Ding, 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 ding. Maybe it was Hanover, New Hampshire for a postdoc Mm -hmm. and asked how I felt about him moving to my city. I shared that his career came first and made clear that I was monogamous in my relationship, but was open to us being friends. Eh. Mm -hmm. I didn't share that my relationship was extremely fraught. I suppose I didn't want either of us to think that that was the case. That's generous to yourself. Mm -hmm. What you were doing was opening a door is what you were doing. So let's just call that what it was. Jay moved to town about two weeks after my marriage ended and my husband left. As luck would have it, this was also about a month before my father passed away. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Wow. Jay was with me through all of it, my rock and my comfort, and we quickly fell back into a romantic relationship. Once again, our feelings grew quickly, and this time Jay did not put boundaries on our love. Uh, and, And this time Jay did not put boundaries on our love for each other. We dove deep and basked in our feelings for one another. Put another pin in that. My gosh. Didn't put boundaries on our love for each other. He has another partner. There is a human boundary that exists. Okay? I just want to make sure we're putting that out there. We have been in a relationship with each other ever since, about four years now, through the birth of his child. Excuse me? Excuse me? Excuse me? Career moves, physical moves. We both moved back to the city where we met. Good times. That doesn't sound like a coincidence. Mm -hmm. And complicated conversations. The fact that our relationship has always been non-traditional, I believe actually allowed us to become closer than either of us has ever been with anyone else. Pin, pin, pin. Our situation allowed us to avoid the mundane annoyances that can come from long-term relationships. (laughs) I bet it did. Because you didn't have to live together and gave us no reason to ever be anything but totally truthful with each other. These two are living on dream straight, okay? Mm. Therefore, we share absolutely everything except who does the dishes and who changes the diapers and the business of being people, excuse me. And his child. And it's hot. Yes, we share absolutely everything except (laughs) the whole other life with his second family. And it's hard to imagine any scenario that I wouldn't want to talk through with him. Side note, this trust and openness also did wonders for our sex life. I bet it did. You can probably see where this is headed. About six months ago, I realized that I want more. I am not partnered and I want to be. More specifically, I want to be partnered with Jay. I want to wake up with him in the morning and go to bed with him at night. I want to be a part of his family and I want him to be a part of mine. There are so many ways in which it feels like this already until he inevitably goes home to his partner or has to spend a weekend away with his family. What? This guy lives in the middle of a goddamn coconut cake and eats his way out of it every day. That's who this guy is. Yeah. Jay shared that he was feeling similarly, but that his ideal scenario, I'd love to hear Jay's ideal scenario. I hope he makes a lot of money. These people either have tons of money or no money. That's the way that this is. But that his ideal scenario would be to somehow, quote, evolve our partnership with his current partner still involved. Um, He doesn't. He's a PhD student. What does that mean? Well, he could maybe he's got a trust fund. But what does this mean? He wants to move everyone into the same house? I just wasn't yeah. comfortable with no, that. No, he just wants to keep it the same. He doesn't want it to evolve. Yeah. 
I just wasn't comfortable with that for a number of reasons, but particularly because I don't like or trust his partner. You don't say. The other person he's chosen to live his life with, who I hate to say it, he's chosen to live his real life with. I also felt that I would always be the other woman, especially in the eyes of his family and other outsiders. I understood that he didn't feel comfortable leaving his partner for me. And there were ways I wasn't comfortable with that either, especially with a child involved. Jay often shares that he is discontent in his partnership, but let me know that even if he decided to leave on his own, get ready, Scarlett, I hope you buckle up. He wouldn't want to jump right into a life with me. Again, while I understand this, why do you understand that, may I ask? I simply cannot wait around for if and when he is ever ready. So we have decided to part ways. In fact, we've decided that about five times now. Every time we try to part, we end up back in each other's arms. I have tried cutting him out completely. I've tried remaining just friends. Nothing seems to work. My friends think he lures me back on purpose to keep having both of us in his life. Oh, your friends are also PhDs, I can say. See? And perhaps there's some truth to that, but I think it's more accurate to say that it's just really hard to end things when it's not what either party wants. The problem, well, that's accurate. The problem Mm -hmm. is, despite neither of us wanting to end, there is no common ground to what we do want. My mantra over the past couple of weeks has been, there is no path forward that makes us both happy. So how do I move on? How do I fall out of love with my best friend? How do I reconcile ending a relationship that makes me feel seen and supported and safe? Another pin. I'm never going to be able to get back to all these pins. A relationship that is so good that I constantly crave more of it. Well, that's not why. Okay. How do I go through life without my best friend? That's tough, especially after so much loss. Jay can often feel like a bandage that has been keeping me together for the past many years. I'm terrified of how it will feel to take it off. I'm eager to hear your advice and hopefully a laugh or two in the process. While I know this is the right decision, it is breaking my heart. Thank you for the time and thought you put into the responses you give all of your listeners. I'm so grateful for the insight, care, and fun you two provide every week. Seriously, five stars, five stars only. Please don't use my name or location, but feel free to pass on the names of any eligible bachelors in the D.C. area. Scarlett, dear, do you want to go first or should I? You go first. This made me very sad. (sighs) Yes. Well, let's start with the silver lining, okay? Let's start with the, the good part. The good part is that it sounds like you have experienced a beautiful, non-traditional romance at a time mm. that you very much needed in your life, okay? You lost your father. You felt a strong connection to this person. You had an intense physical and sexual connection with this. On, on every level, you felt mm-hmm. connected to this person and that that was, in many ways, very fulfilling for a long time. And that will be a hard thing to replicate because it won't be something that you'll replicate. Whatever the next relationship is, it isn't going to be this relationship. It's going Mm -hmm. to be, I hate to break the news to you, a more complete relationship. This is what's incredible about the scenario that you were in 
look, congratulations. It's, it sounds like you've been having wonderful sex for seven years and deep conversations. And mm-hmm. I don't think there's a person that gets to do, and you're in your late thirties. I don't think there's yeah. a person that gets to do that past the age of about 26 and a half. So congratulations. Dream. This is a lovely movie fantasy that has gone on for years. And the reason that it has worked and that the sex has been wonderful and the conversations have been so deep, et cetera, et cetera, is because it is forbidden and it is I, I don't want to undercut in any way the connection that you have and the and the conversations and the intimacy. But the reason that it has been possible to feel all of these things is because you have always known there was a self-destruct button on this relationship. He has a family. You can call it polyamorous. You can call it whatever you want. You are 100% the other woman. He had a child. Why didn't he have a child with you? And it also I sounds like it was only her and his wife, basically. Yes. And well, I don't know. Maybe he has other lovers too. I don't know. But the only person that's getting everything that they want in this scenario is him. And that's everyone strange. else is compromising. You don't get enough of him. She doesn't get enough of him, whether she's agreed to it or not. He has said, this is as much as I'm giving everyone. And everyone has said, okay. And now you've reached a point in your life where you want, you want more. So that's that. So you know what the hard news is here? No other way but to get through it. You have a broken heart. So what do you do? You take long walks. You sign up for new kinds of classes, you listen to music, you, whatever people do to get through it. And it stinks. But there is no more blood to squeeze out of this stone. There just isn't. And congratulations that, you know, in the passing of your father and all of this back and forth, et cetera, et cetera, that you were able to have this often beautiful relationship. But the idea that Jay is some kind of a catch is also a fantasy. Yeah. Jay is a person who, and and I'm not saying that there isn't, that everything has to be this binary, old fashioned, people have to be married, people have to have families, da, 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 da. People should do whatever they want to do. But this isn't working for you anymore. And you know that. And that's the thing that that's the voice that's loudest in your head is this isn't enough. So it's not enough anymore. So now you have to mourn it. So figure out. And the other thing you probably have to do, I have bad news for you, is you have to mourn your father all over again. Because Jay was a distraction from that mourn. And your marriage. Thank you very much, Scarlett. The Jay was a distraction. He was the lily pad you hopped onto when all of those terrible things happened. And he was a comfort. He was a port in the storm, whatever you want to say. But now it's time for you to deal with all of those things on your own terms and not with an exciting, sexy, intimate, desirable person you could never have to distract you from that loss. Mm-hmm. And that's just life. I would say complete the same. And I think you've already done the really hard work. You really needed Jay when 
he came back into your life. Yeah. And the amazing thing is even though you feel terrible right now, you don't need him anymore. And that's the only reason your brain has allowed you to finally make this decision and finally step away. Because even if it feels like you're at your weakest, you're actually probably the strongest you've been in seven years and you are finally ready to move on. Excellent. And I think the, the tough part is, and this might be wrong, but I think I think for now, the only way you are going to be able to move through this is by cutting off completely and starting to look at the negatives about Jay. I was desperately in love with my best friend for about three years. And I really needed that at the time. And it was, you know, it was a bad relationship in lots of ways, but it, it was also the only thing that I could handle at that time. And then I got to a point where it was just too painful and he didn't love me as much as I did. And it just wasn't possible for us to keep being friends. And I had to spend about six months bitching about him and looking back at the bad things he did and reframing it because it's your, so much of your friendship, so much of your relationship was based on friendship. You cannot continue to be friends with this person because you will never, ever be done with it. And I think you need to call over those friends who have clearly been begging you for a while to drop this guy and get them to say all the horrible things they feel about Jay. And you need to agree with them. And you need to, at least for now, reframe Jay as someone you don't, you need to really reframe him as someone you don't want in your life and stop you're really giving him the benefit of the doubt in this letter. You're really talking about how great he is. You never say anything that he did wrong. And I think you need to slightly change that tune yes, in your head, Jay even if you don't feel it. beautiful, yeah. intellectual artist who has so much love to give that he can just put semen in everybody. That's who Jay is. I'm sorry, is. Jay's a dick and he's a playboy and you you i keep coming back to this line and he wanted write, to bring a child into this world because children no, are beautiful and so he had it with the one that didn't mind raising it or he you go, have or she really wanted it and jay was kind enough to agree yeah, or, you know whatever the scenario is you're his true love but yeah but your love was too much it couldn't have handled a child well you the know. key thing here um, which you talk about how nice she's being about jay Jay said to you, just so you know, I don't want to be with her anymore, but I don't want to be with you either. I want to always yeah, Jay, be with whoever I want to be with. That's I not, keep coming back to this. You that's, say, that's pretty rough. You say my mantra over the past couple of weeks has been there is no path forward that makes us both happy. That's wrong. There's no path forward that makes you happy. This path works for Jay. Jay is having his cake and eating it too. He is like, he's been living the dream and it's, not enough for you and you need to you're you're a bit one foot in one foot out and you need to really embrace that you deserve more than this guy who is treating you like the other woman and yes it's more complicated than that and yes maybe in 10 years you can look back and see the good things but you need to stop with praising him the other thing you can do is see the good things right now and you can say, uh, and we can be real about this too, which is Jay got what Jay needed and you got what you needed. And isn't that nice? And you don't have to spend six months talking, you know, dirty about him. And you can just say, I got what I needed. He got what he needed. It's not enough for anyone anymore. 
And now I have the strength, as Scott was saying, to move on and to start this new chapter. Jay was a chapter. And you are allowed to look back and say, there's a lot of things I loved about Jay. There's a lot of things that didn't work for me. But you have idealized him to some degree that is honestly the, the thing that you need to examine, which is why you've cocooned him in this way. He's just a fallible person like everybody else. And in fact, he's a guy that makes a lot of very selfish decisions. And by the way, so are you. I mean, I understand that. I mean, maybe that's not fair. I don't know what the wife's or the other partner's take is on the relationship. Maybe everybody is absolutely fine with everybody doing whatever they want. But you say the thing where you say, yeah, and I don't want him to leave his partner either, you know, because of the kids. And you're sort of saying that because that's what people say, but you don't really think that. You think he could leave her and it could work out just fine. That's what you think. But because he's you told think- you, when someone tells you who they are, believe them. He's told you he wouldn't be with you even if he ended it with her. He wants to be with everybody. Yeah. If he ends it with her, he wants to find someone else to take her place. Yeah. Or you take her place and then someone else takes your place, which is not what you want either. Get out while you're still young, dear. You still got a chance here. This was a wonderful, lovely, charming, blissful thing that you needed. And that's the scoop. Okay? You don't need it anymore. No. So, Scarlett, we've reached the time in us program where we figure out who we have a feeling for. You know this. You know it well. You've done it before. I forgot about the gift. I'm so happy. Who is going to get our giveaway? We've got got three letter writers here that we can think about. Number one was, uh, I'm scared my neighbor's going to fall in love with me and want to do everything I want to do, right? No, sorry. Number one one is the sisters. I have a perfect life. My sister compares her kittens to my children. Should I tell her off and tell her just how bad her life is? Mm -hmm. Number one. My oldest sister. Number two, I'm an introvert and I'm worried that the neighbor, other neighborhood cats are going to, um, uh, you know, try and draw me out mm. and want to spend all their life with me and I don't want to go to the party. But I am mm. an introvert. Number three, I have had my heart broken and I've experienced a lot of devastating loss and I'm ready to move on, but I have no idea how I'm going to do it because I'm totally heartbroken. Mm. I have a real soft spot for letter two, but um, I think it has to be letter three. But I want letter three... I don't know what the gift is, but I want it to be then not getting back together with Jay. Oh, no. Momentum. Because they've got back together with him five times. It's closed on Jay. It's closed. You know what you shouldn't do? I'm going to say one more thing. I'm going to go back into that. When Jay texted to say, do you mind that I'm moving to the same city as where you are? You shouldn't have replied. It's absolutely insane. And you said, oh, I'm just going to be friends with Jay. You knew that that wasn't the case. You got a thrill when he texted you. And here we are, however many years later. So what is our gift to this person that's going to help them move on? You can't be friends with Jay. And this is your, I can't be friends with Jay gift. You almost need something. You need like, what is the equivalent of pushing a dresser in front of the door every time you try to leave the apartment, you know? But I, I wonder if it should be a 
scent thing. It's always it's like, a scent. It is always a but scent. But if it's a little perfume or something, and every time you smell it, you are someone who is not getting back with Jay. You need a force field of some kind. Yeah. I use scent often as like, when I'm wearing this perfume, I am not going to be anxious or I'm not going to be needy or I'm not going to be whatever it is. Yeah. And this needs to be your, when I'm wearing this perfume, I am not getting back with What Jay. is your force field? What is your armor? That's the question. Yeah. You know what? I'll tell you something. I haven't smelled this, so I can't endorse the smell. Mm. But another friend of mine, dear friend of the podcast, Cool Up Vlasek, was yeah. recently in Firenze and went to our favorite place, Santa Maria Novella, and informed me how I didn't know this story. I don't know. Inform- this is actually fabulous. Informed me that there was a perfume that they make which I'm sure was mm. sort of a toilet water of some kind, that Catherine de' Medici had commissioned when mm. she had to move from Florence to Paris and start a whole new life in Paris. She had a scent commissioned by the, the, by the monks at Santa Maria Novella. And this was her, I'm starting a new life. This will be the thing that will protect me, but will also remind mm. me of home and what home is, that I will have the scent of the, you know, Tuscan Hills with mm. me, much like the gorgeous potpourri that they make at Santa Marina. You're familiar. Mm, I, of course. Do you have the potpourri in your house? Do you know how incredible it would smell uh, with all that wood work that you have, I can't even tell you. I'm actually on the Santa Maria Novella website. As we so speak. can you see, are uh, you looking there now? And can you see, yeah. I believe it's called uh, something Regina. Do you see it? Hold yeah. on. What's it called? Regina. Aqua della Regina, which Our means. most historic collection. Yes. which And you can read the description because you're in, that, in your gorgeous English accent. But what it means is water of the queen. Aqua della Regina tells you a royal story inspired by 800 years of tradition just waiting to become your story. A royal tribute to the gift of love from Caterina de' Medici to the King of France. Hmm, this is a bit romantic. It isn't romantic? It is romantic. Oh, okay. Uh, so this is... It's what- called the Queen's Water, though, and that's what you need. You need the Queen's you Water. You need Queen Water is what you need. Yeah. That's what's going to get you through this. It's so that you can feel like the queen that you are, not that you're waiting for a king. Okay. No, you're just a queen. So we're going to send you either the perfume or there's a soap. I'm going to look at it. I'm going to look through all of them and I'm going to figure out which is the one to get. And that's what we're going to send you. And that's what you need to do. You need to ascend to your throne here, dear. But let me give you one other little word of advice about grief. You have to go through it. Mm-hmm. It's not something you can avoid. You have successfully avoided it with your quote, your words, this band-aid for all these years. And so it's time to mourn the loss, as Scarlett said of your marriage, as I say of your father, and now the loss of this relationship with Jay. And it just is what it is. Uh, dear, I had such a great time with it. We have to read this cliffhanger very so quickly. Fun. I'm going to read the cliffhanger. Okay. But Then we have to wrap it up. And I just want to remind people, I believe this is coming out the first week of August. We have the most stunning, there will have been an ad at the beginning of the show, but the most stunning selection for the AI Social Club for August. We have such a fun 
box for August. It's the perfect box. I'll tell you what it really is. It's a heat relief box. That's what it is. It's to get you through the dog days of August. But the the club is growing exponentially and it is so fun. And the Kikis are amazing. AISocial.club. And of course, our gorgeous coffee, which Scarlett couldn't be a bigger fan of if she tried. No. I brought some over from America. Did you? I was wondering if you brought any with you. Uh, okay. Do you want to read the cliffhanger just because you otherwise won't yeah. get a chance? Okay. Dear Ron O'Brien, an extraordinary guest, if applicable. Always is. Now it is. Always is. Not when you actually answer it. I'm a huge fan of the podcast and even had the pleasure of meeting Ronna in person at a Brooklyn show many moons ago. I love you both and the empathetic, hilarious energy you bring to the podcast. Many thanks for the hours of laughs during these wild times. I agree. Now for my conundrum. My younger brother and his girlfriend have been dating for over 12 years. He's 30 and she's 36. Love an older woman. They've been living together, don't want kids, and is based, she, she is basically part of the family, except that she never goes to any family events or has any real relationships with anyone in our family. My brother told us she has social anxiety, and so we overlooked her absences as part of her mental health since my brother and her appear to be relatively happy, and he's never given us a reason to believe otherwise until he did. Uh A month ago, when he stayed overnight at our house telling my husband and I that they had broken up. When our grandmother died, my brother's girlfriend didn't come to my mother's house for a family dinner, and my parents got her a plane ticket to the funeral which was taking place out of town because, oh, my parents never got her a plane ticket at the funeral, which was taking place out of town because it was assumed she wouldn't go. I should also note she doesn't drive and since the pandemic started, hasn't worked. My brother is supporting her completely. My brother, let's call him Todd, was upset she wasn't going to be a part of our family's celebration of life for my grandmother. It was the catalyst he needed to leave her and when he did, he told us all about their relationship how loveless it had been the last few years, how we used to get into screaming matches over going to our family dinners until he stopped trying to include her and how lonely he was in their relationship. He also confided that he's been drinking more and that she's, I think probably she's been drinking more Yeah, and thinks she has an alcohol problem. Yeah. Yeah. He told us it was a big relief to leave her and he felt like it was a chance to move forward and start making some positive changes in his life. It seemed like for a while he was committed to the breakup until one day he wasn't. I love the way this person writes. I know they had been texting and she was begging him to come home. Recently, he moved back in with her to see if they could still make it work. But after everything he's told me and our parents, it feels like there is a lot to work on. And I think the girlfriend's judgment is clouded by how codependent she is on him. Of course, she doesn't want to leave the apartment she doesn't pay rent on. While I'm not thrilled about their reconciliation, I also know it's his life and I have to respect what he decides to do. Really? But how does my family (laughs) reconcile with all this new information we've learned about her? How do we remain neutral in supporting him while knowing she's going to be actively avoiding our family for years? It's not that she's a completely a recluse either. She goes to all her family holidays and outings with my brother. She just doesn't want to put any effort in with us. To make matters worse, she's been on a text message apologizing tour, asking everyone to meet up and talk. But about what? I'm not buying one conversation can patch over being MIA for 12 years. 
Huh. Do I really have to put myself out for someone who can't even be bothered to text me, hope you're well, when my six-month-old was just in the hospital for a week with COVID? Sorry about that. That's yeah, terrible. that's not great. Maybe we just go back to pretending she's not available to attend events, but I'm heartbroken for my brother who deserves so much more. What can we do? Sincerely worried sister. Okay. So the whole letter could have been the last paragraph. Yeah. Yeah. Or the last two sentences, really. Yeah. What do we do? Yeah. This is a good one. Okay. Join us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash askrana, of course. Uh, if you're not in the community, I really, I, you know, Scarlett, you're the perfect person to explain to people that it's not the same show. It just isn't. It's it a really different feeling. Show. I can't explain why, but it is. It's just a different it's, feeling in the carriage house. It absolutely is. It's so much more intimate. There is gossip shared that is not shared on this show. That's certainly true. Ask Ronna is a twice weekly podcast. And if you're not listening to both, <laughs> you are not listening. <laughs> I think we'll end it with that because that's the absolute perfect uh, description. I'm so happy that you agreed to spend this day with me today. I'm so Thank happy you for having that me. you came all the way from the UK into our little earbuds today. Yes. I'm happy that you were having an English summer. I'm not happy it's a heat wave, but I'm hoping that's going to lift soon. But there's nothing like an English summer. No, nothing. It's lovely. Fabulous. We come adore visit. you. We love you. We hope you'll come back and visit us soon. All right, dear. Kiss, kiss. Okay. Bye. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.